Hello, this is Richard Outram, and welcome to the Prepare for Growth podcast series, bite-sized wisdom for leadership and personal development. So thank you for taking time out to join me. I'm so grateful for this unique opportunity. Okay, and in this week's Prepared for Growth podcast series, I'm thrilled to introduce Akin Ayudoli, a still entrepreneur and investor, motivational speaker, co-founder of the Dream Builders Foundation and former NFL linebacker. He takes a management role in his business investments, which spans several industries, including film production, restaurants, event hosting, and wholesale distribution. The Dream Builders Foundation matches NFL players with local charities for the sake of benefiting at-risk, financially or mentally challenged youth. As a motivational speaker, Aiken inspires youth groups, educational organizations, and corporations with his belief in the power of perseverance, positivity, and hard work. He may be familiar to many people in Florida from his nine years as a starting linebacker in the NFL, including playing for the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who drafted him in 2002. Known for his athleticism and work ethic, Aiken also played for the Dallas Cowboys and Buffalo Bills. Prior to professional football, Aiken received his liberal arts degree from Purdue University, focusing on psychology and law in society with a minor in organizational leadership. In August 2014, he received his MBA from the George Washington University. Recently, Aiken joined Saposnik Insurance, a world company, as head of business development. His focus is opening new channels to help drive business opportunities through relationships with community leaders and organizations. Aiken has recently married and is a proud new father to a baby girl. And in this session's key wisdom bite from Aiken, he's gonna talk about fall in love with the process, divorce yourself from the outcome. And I'm so thrilled to welcome you to this session, Aiken. I, I have had a number of conversations with you. We actually met per- personally and uh, I can honestly say you're the ultimate gentleman and I'm so thrilled to have you on this show, okay? I do want to ask you, hopefully I didn't miss anything in that auspicious kind of introduction. (laughs) Would you like to add anything further, Aiken? I think that was long enough, Richard. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You did did a great job. um, And you know what? I think I need to bring you on tour with me, you know, and just have you introduce me everywhere I go. Uh, that, that That was perfect, outstanding. And I appreciate you really inviting me on on the show today. Um, Generally, I don't get an opportunity to meet my interviewer and or meet the host. And um, one of why this is also special is because we've actually had a chance to not only have a conversation over over Zoom or phone, but, uh, you know, we've text, we've met. And I mean, you know, I, I, I admire you as one professionally, but also um, a family man and just your authenticity. You know, you're so genuine and our conversation flows so easy that this, you know, when you asked me to come on, uh, it was a no brainer. You know, I see you already as a friend and I, you know, I'm here to uh, provide all, all hopefully some positive content, but in generally, however I can help on this, uh, on this show, on this podcast, you know, I'm here for you. Oh, thank you so much, Aiken. And, and ditto to those sentiments. I, I feel exactly the same way, Aiken. Thank you for that. And so in our usual f- framework, we're going to hit four areas. What have you learned? What would you change? What are you grateful for? And we're going to do a quick round. So let's kick it off, Aiken, in the what have you learned part, which is the major part of the session here, right? So how difficult a decision was it for you to retire from professional sports and transition into a second career? You know, Richard, it, it was, I was, in a, I was in a place in life at the time um, that I had accomplished so much. I had set out to, you know, my goal to get to the NFL wasn't, it, it was never just to get to the NFL. It was, the goal was to be the best version of me from the jump. I sacrificed so much at an early age. Um, I tell people, when I tell when I speak to young kids, especially athletes in high school, I tell them this, I got ridiculed. I got made fun of. Um, when I started playing football as a freshman in high school, you know, I had people calling me stone hands, 
to tell the truth, Richard, I couldn't catch a cold, man. I was bad. You know, I played receiver, and as a receiver, you're supposed to be able to catch the ball. And so, you know, people people clowned me, made fun of me, and at some point, it clicked. And that and what clicked was, okay, you want to you want to pursue this game because you want to go to college, and that was that was my main goal was get to college. And I read a Sports Illustrated article that just it said high school football players, colleges would pay full scholarship for high school football seniors. And so I said, okay, I just need to get to college. And from that, from that point, I sought out to be the best version of me. You know, I, I gave up, I gave up carbonated drinks. So Coke, Pepsi, I, I went home to my mom and said, mom, I'm not eating any more fried food or having sweets. I uh, intentionally, you know, was, was very focused on making sure that I kept my body pure, so didn't do any drugs, didn't drink any liquor, um, you know, didn't strain my body from out, outside of my my practices, my training, and my school. And doing all that, there's many paths to the NFL, but doing all that was the right path for me. And so when I got to the league and I kept that same blueprint, and when I, and, and, you know, nine, ten years down the road came, and then there was a crossroad. I had to make that decision. It wasn't that tough. It wasn't that tough because I sat back and I sat in my office desk and I said to myself, have you given this game everything that you can possible? Have you stayed up and studied as much as you can? Have you absorbed all the information that you can possibly receive? Have you given your team, your teammates, everything of yourself? Have you given yourself have you given people opportunities to embrace you and to teach you? And, and going through that list, it was an easy decision. I said, oh, I, am, I am perfectly okay if I never play another down. I am perfectly okay if this door is shut because I trust that there's another door that's going to be open. And yes, and I walked away from the game happy. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating, Aiken, and thank you for that. It's fascinating because, you know, that pivot from uh, – I mean, sports, celebrity, however you want to call it, can be inherently stressful and traumatic for, 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 for many members, okay? Um, and there's a lot of, you know, psychological aspects of this, right? In your, in your wisdom bite, when you said, you know, fall in love with the process and divorce yourself from the outcome, there's a very important part, which has a bit of a spiritual undertone about divorcing yourself from the outcome because the fame and the fortune and everything else that comes with the sports arena, it's very, very difficult to divorce yourself from. And so when and how should an athlete they can start preparing for their second career? Oh, that's such a great question. When and how should an athlete start preparing for their second career? Honestly, I would say from day one, from the moment they walk in through the door. And I, I, I want to address you know, what you just said, because I think it's important that we talk about the psychological effects. Um, um, uh, I've had many, countless, countless, Richard, countless teammates, former teammates and, um, you know, former members, uh, alumni of the NFL that I've spoken to, I've called, I've had interaction with that have, have considered committing suicide because of the points that you made, um, have lost, you know, lost their way, uh, are not functional in their household because they felt that they've lost their identity. And the psychological, what happens is it affects two parts. One, it, it, it affects your identity. Yes. Uh, your identity affects your confidence. Your confidence affects your passion. Your passion affects your motivation to do more and to be more. And then that also, the other part of the psychological effect, and now it also affects your nutrition, which affects your immune system, which affects your energy, which affects the quality of the work that you, that you give yourself and the people around you. And so, you know, these things are the common themes or the, the, the byproduct of when you do walk out the league and that door is shut because you're such, you're in a bubble and that fame and the accolades and the recognition and the, and the you know, and the financial reward and compensation and the, the notoriety, all these things automatically, it's not gradually removed. The rug is pulled from you. And now you have to try to figure out, oh, this new life. Uh, what do I do next? So this is why it's important that from the time you walk in, 
into the league, the time you walk into the NFL, or even in college. I, I would even say right now, because you, you're, you're, we're seeing a shift. We're seeing a shift. And the shift is with the new, you know, you, uh, I'm not sure how much you've, you've been paying attention, but the Supreme Court just allowed um, NCAA and college athletes to now have the uh, name, image, and likeness endorsement. Yes. And so now, now there's a there's a shift that's going to happen. And just, I mean, within a year, you know, you have these athletes that came in that were in college last year, not going to get the opportunity to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. So now this shift is going to come where now you're having even high school students yep. will have the opportunity to have to brand themselves and to get compensated for that. And so that this is why from the moment you you start playing football, you know, the yesteryears and the players from you know last year and and and, and prior um, are probably a little too late. But what they can do is from the time they walk into the league, it's all about how can I maximize the opportunity that's given to me and what does that look like? It looks like always being open to present yourself to an opportunity of going to an event, you know, creating an LLC, having a business card. And surrounding yourself with people who are a lot more smarter than you and who have credibility in their professions. And while I came into the league, you know, this is, I'm speaking wisdom and experience. While I came into the league, I didn't have these experiences. I didn't know this knowledge. And just to just share a, a true story, I walked in, I got drafted in the third round. I made... Uh, I think I believe my signing bonus was around four hundred thousand. My base that year was two hundred twenty-five thousand um, because I became a starter right away uh, after the second game of my rookie year. There was the, the NFL. Uh, we had a contract that where, and I can't remember the name of what it is, but is where if you are a, depending on how many years you've been in the league, you're allowed to get bonuses based on your playing time and this is through the nfl not through the team and because i was a third round draft pick and i had a lot of playing time and i became a starter automatically i made an additional like like four hundred thousand that year so let's say rounded up a million dollars in in 12 months i made a million dollars by the time the next season started around i was going to training camp and looking at my account and thinking, okay, I need to pay my bills, kind of get set myself for the next six weeks because I'm going to be in camp and really don't won't have access to uh, my accounts or or just be able to do these things. Richard, I had twenty five thousand dollars left. Wow! For making a million to twenty five thousand dollars, and the reason why I I have to bring this up is for two reasons. It took that moment, that point of looking at my account and realizing that I made over a million dollars and, and only having $25,000 left that if I continue on this track, you know, I was going to be a statistic, you know, more likely I was going to be out of the league, you know, in, in a year or two, and more likely I would have to go back to Dallas, Texas, Irvin, Texas, where I grew up and, you know, try to figure something else out on a new, uh, try to find a new job or a new, a new track. And the other point is these young athletes who are now coming up and that have this access to and be able to take advantage of the name, image, and likeness don't have the necessarily financial education, uh, literacy, um, understanding, and the business with all to be able to uh, uh, step into this new chapter of their life and understand how to save, how to invest, how to manage these, this new resource and, 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 and compensation that they're about to acquire. So that's why it's important. It's important. The day you walk in, you know, you grab, you, you find a, before you walk in, you find a financial advisor, uh, you find a business manager, you find um, a lawyer that you trust that can set up an LLC. And honestly, you can set up an LLC yourself, but I understand it takes time but you find a, a, a lawyer that can help you set up an LLC and can watch over your contract. You honestly don't even need an agent. <laughs> you need a lawyer who, un, who has a, 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 a wide range 
of skills that can and practice that can help you look over contracts and negotiate for you, but at the same time, make sure that you are in good standing whenever anybody presents you an endorsement. So long story short, yes, the day you walk into the league, the day you get the opportunity, the day you decide to play football, these are all the things, these are all the people, these are all the resources that you have to make sure that while you're trying to become a professional or the best you can be on the gridiron, you also have to make sure that you're becoming the best you can be professionally outside. Right. That, fantastic, Aiken. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull on a couple of threads there because this is a really, really important point. I remember having my boys watch, I think it was a couple of episodes of 3030, right? And it talked about professional athletes, how, you know, they make all this money and, and you know, all the fame that comes with it, et cetera, and end up being bankrupt. And, you know, as, as you mentioned about, you know, your mastermind group around you and surround yourself with the right folks. Whereas, you know, unfortunately, some athletes in, in many, in various sports surround themselves with unscrupulous people and untrustworthy people, right? And their entourage is with them when there's fame and fortune and they disappear when things are bad, right? And so we know yeah. that, particularly in the boxing world and so forth, right? So let's pull on a couple of threads. So the trust factor with that mastermind group, what learning and training did you personally undertake? To, to ensure that you didn't fall into the category? Yeah, well, you know, well, great question. You know, one, I had to divorce myself again of my ego. Yeah. Um, um, we generally go into situations, uh, new situations, um, trying to attach our ego and, and bring it to the front front, to the front because we think that we either have to prove something, and this is, listen, testosterone, your ego, we're men, pride, you know, we feel like, okay, I have to prove something. I can't, I don't, I don't want them to know that I don't know this. I don't want them to, I don't want to appear as being weak. And that's what, that's what we're taught. We're conditioned as athletes to think this way and to approach each situation this way. And so, once I accepted my flaws and which was, I didn't have any financial education. I didn't have any financial background. Um, the first day I walked on the college campus, they gave me a credit card. I spent it all, you know, and, and, you know, and, 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 and didn't know how to pay down. And so when I got to the league, I had credit issues because uh, I didn't have any money to pay it down, uh, uh, to pay it off. And I had to really check my ego. And one of the things that I understood uh, was that if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm losing. And it's, it's, it's a trajectory to failure. And I brought people around me that were experts in their field. And this is one of the things that I firmly believe you never hire as, a, as an employee, as an employer, as a business owner, you never hire people for where you are. You hire people for where you're trying to go. Okay, and I knew that if I was to play five years, maybe I'd get lucky and play seven, eight years. And after that, what's going to happen? I need to bring around the people that were experts in their field and that would get me there, would give me good financial understanding, good financial education, would, would, would help me dissect and vet and, and, and do diligence when it comes to business opportunities and business deals and look at decks and to be able to understand and, and, and just get little knowledge. I don't have to know it all. I just have to write, have the right circle of people around me that know enough and know more than me. Right, right. No, that's, that's, that's brilliant. Thank you, Aiken. Very, 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 very good. Okay. And on the same point, you're an active investor, you manage your businesses, etc. So how did you evaluate business and investment options that came your way? I mean, obviously you had you know, advisors and so forth, but how did you personally evaluate those, those options? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an investment strategy. And, you know, one of the things that we looked at myself and my team was uh, uh, risk mitigation. How can we reduce our risk in this opportunity? And our approach was always to figure out if there was an opportunity to take a managerial position. And what that did for us, it gave us confidence because then we'd have some controls. Um, and having little controllables 
uh, gives you comfort knowing that if something was to go awry, that you were there on the front end of it and not on the back end of it. And that you can have a say so and have a seat at the table and make and help make some of the decisions to guide where and the outcome of the investment. And it, it, and that's really it, Richard. Uh, it's really just having a managerial position. Um, and we looked at you know a diverse range of opportunities. Um, and in each one, we if there was an opportunity for us to sit on a board, sit on an advisory board, sit on a vision board, sit on a uh, on a management team, uh, you know, we not that we took all the all those opportunities, but you know, it gave it gave favorable um, chances that you know that we could have and understand our controls and then make better decisions. Understood. Okay. And so, what pitfalls should college or early professional athletes be aware of when managing their finances um, and or their business investments? What would be your kind of guiding advice here? Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, that's a difficult to sit, uh, answer because you need to fail. Love it. You need to fail because that my, the biggest lessons for me, uh, you know, in, in investing, uh, were the investments that I never, I, I, I never got back anything that uh, I lost, I lost my, my equity. I lost my capital. Um, um, but, and my involvement in those investments and the failure of those investments helped me in the next venture that I went into because I was able to pull and understand once I understood the reasons why it failed or the reasons why, you know, I got scammed. Um, <laughs> uh, trust me, I, I have plenty of stories where I thought an investment was something that uh, that it was supposed to be that turned out to not be that way. And people who did a great job in, um, you know, doing presentations and come to find out they were not who they say they were. But in those moments, I actually became, not that I, be, I became better in vetting and guiding myself uh, on knowing what to look for. So, I say fail, but I say it's a try or error and make sure that you're open enough to, to take from every investment some lesson that helps you become a better investor in the next venture. Awesome. Awesome. What a great answer. Thank you for that. Absolutely believe in the power of failure. Otherwise, you don't learn. So, And that's been a theme in uh, you know, previous podcasts. All right. So on the key wisdom bite, fall in love with the process. Let's take that segment. What skills did you learn in, in the sports arena that are transferable to the non-sporting world? Oh, yeah, I love this question. I love this question. And I'm a very process-driven guy. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I tell people a lot, you know, my wife is, she's the athlete of the family. She is a phenomenal athlete. She was a track, uh, a scholar track athlete. Um, she... Uh, 18 years, uh, ballerina, contemporary dancing growing up. Uh, whereas me, you know, if, if I didn't create a system and a process for myself, I would have never played in the NFL as long as I did. I would have never become a starter. I would never made the plays. And so because of that, these processes have helped me transfer. These intangible skills have helped me transfer into the business world. Uh, and naturally, uh, you know, one is the teamwork and the ability to collaborate. Uh, this is something that I, I've always uh, been a big proponent of is you being open to leaning on your teammates and leaning on each other and helping one another because where I might be strong at, which was studying film, um, another teammate might be weak at, but they were a better athlete. And at the end of the day, if we understand what the vision is, then us working together and collaborating will make us a better unit. Uh, another one is critical thinking. You know, as an athlete, you're on the field and in real time uh, at, a, at, at a split of a dime, you're having to make, you know, a game changing decision. <laughs> and being able to think through moments like that and being able to be in, in, in pressure, intense moments uh, really help you in the business world uh, of, of, of having confidence 
and really understanding how to think through problems and how to explain those problems. Uh, leadership, um, um, and this is why I'm also a big advocate for uh, you know, children and really being active, uh, not necessarily sports, but having some type of extracurricular activities. Because at some point, you know, a kid's going to have to step up and say, listen, uh, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. And, and amongst their peers, uh, they will have to make a decision and lead their peers. And these are the things that, that help them through it. Uh, uh, let's see, it's another one. Being self-motivated. Uh, parents, and this is why I say parents go wrong, that is, uh, you have the helicopter parents. Uh, you know, there's a huge thing about helicopter parents where they are constantly involved in, in which is good, which is great, uh, involving their kids' life, but tend to do everything for their, for their kids or bail them out. At some point, a kid's going to have to make a decision to decide whether he wants to pursue this dream or not, or whether he wants to pursue this act, activity or not. And generally when a kid or an athlete decides that this is what I want, you know, they're going to get up when they are sore and their back hurts and, 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 or, or when they're tired and, you know, they don't feel like getting up, but they know that if they don't, you know, the, their opponents or their peers are going to get a head start on them and, 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 and get an advantage on, on, their, on the game. Um, you know, the, the, these are the things that I've been able to acquire along my athletic endeavors and bring into the business world that has been a, a natural uh, instinctful advantage for me uh, amongst my colleagues or amongst those that I've actually engaged with in, in my professional career right now. Right, no, that, that, that's great, Aiken. And, and I would add, you know, planning, tracking, you know, monitoring, and as you mentioned, adjusting and failing, perhaps are all part of the journey, right? Of an athlete, yep. as it is in the, the non-sporting world, right? Yes. So let, let, let me let's follow through on on on, on this because it's it's a great point. You started to talk about you know teamwork and so on, and so um, there's obviously a school of thought about here which poses this question: Are sports a good or bad metaphor for business? What is your take on the business of sports? In other words, we could argue to your point about teamwork, just as one example, that the team and talent dynamics are different. You know, in a, in a sporting team, it's more short-term focus versus the business, which is more long-term focus. And that's one of the, one of the kind of arguments on that metaphor. But, um, I mean, what would you say to this? It's, you know, in sports, it's a zero-sum game, aching rather than plenty of room for winners, right, in the, in the competitive and, and customer world, right? Mm-hmm. How would you respond to that? I, I, I disagree with the statement because I firmly believe that sports is a microcosm of life. I believe everything that sport teaches a young man or woman um, really prepares them for the boardroom, really prepares them for uh, the working environment that they will face. Uh, they will have a lot longer uh, career in. Uh, because it's the perfect example and preparation into segmenting into that, that, that field. And why that is, is because in sports, while you have to make critical decisions at, at, at a split of a dime, yes, in the business world, you might have a longer period to make that decision. But what, but what you're understanding is there's so many times when you have to meet deadlines. There's so many times when uh, you know uh, you're 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 having to speak to leadership, and you're just starting at an entry level, and to have the confidence to make a suggestion, or to have the confidence to know that hey, I I I believe this is the right path, in what you're asking me to do. In sports, you 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 have to do that all the time, and we talk we speak we speak to failure. Um, you know, we, we speak to critical thinking, we speak to teamwork. What most employers have problems with right now is getting their employees to understand the benefit of working together. 
And when you bring in an athlete who's done that most of his or her life, it is the most natural thing that they know how to do. So they, 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 they long for collaboration. They long and understand where their weaknesses are and, and hope that there's somebody in their working environment in the space that can come or that they can go work with and they can become a better unit. Because at the end of the day, the vision is the same. Yes, you want to win this game, but at the end of the day, in a season, you want to go to the Super Bowl or you want to go to the championship. Every organization wants to be the best. Every organization wants to be uh, considered the number one in their, in their field. So that is the championship. That is the Super Bowl. And it's, it's, it's in, in, in sports, you are a head coach or a GM. It's not necessarily building a team for one season. Look at the Patriots. They're building, they, they built a team for, for a decade plus. And in every organization, you're building and adding talent year in and year out, and you're cutting the fat year in and year out. So I completely disagree that there isn't a, a, a mirror or um, the perfect uh, alignment between sports and the, the business world I, or, or life itself. I believe it's uh, both are the same. Wow. What an awesome, awesome answer. I love it. And for the listeners here, uh, if you saw Akin just uh, express his point of view there, with conviction, I would not want to be facing you as a linebacker. Let's just put it that way. That was awesome. I loved it. Really well done. Really well done, Aiken. Thank you for that. Thank you. Okay. All right. And so, and we'll come off the, this point here, but I just wanted for the, for the listening guests here. During your transition from a professional athlete, what was the most difficult adjustment for you? During my transition? Yeah. Uh, to become a professional athlete? No, when from a professional athlete to. Oh. Yeah. Okay. To yeah, um, there was a uh, there was a there was a time uh, a moment in life where having to make the decision of going from being this professional athlete, this football player, and you know, labeled as a a, a NFL player to now trying to reconcile, find my identity, and who am I outside of the game? Who am I outside of the shield? Who am I outside of uh, this, this bubble that, I, that I've been in? And transitioning into, okay, I like to call civilian life, uh, the real world, and what does that look like? And how is that shape, how is that going to shape my journey you know, moving forward? The hardest part, you know, really was, is what we talked about, discussed earlier, is the psychological. Um, and in understanding that you've done everything that you've done prior to uh, this moment of transition, everything uh, from, listen, going through playing a game where you couldn't feel your legs and your back's hurting um, or having surgery or walking through a tunnel and having 80,000 people celebrate you. Honestly, it was, there was a moment where I realized that, yes, while I might not be confident, or sh no, I, sh I shouldn't use the word confident, while I might not be sure of what this journey, this next part of my life looks like, I should be confident enough that whatever it is, I can accomplish it. I can move and I can level up. I firmly believe, I firmly believe Richard, that everything that you go through in life, all, of it, all it's doing is preparing you for the next level. Yeah. So everything that you've been through prior, you know, whatever it is, your ups and downs, you know, uh, the, you know, life smacking you in the face, life cheering you on, you know, whatever it is, as soon as you make that pivot, you bring all those experiences, you bring all that hurt, all that pain, but also you bring all that joy all those experiences, all the things that you've done right, and you bring it with you to help you to this next stage. And, 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 and really, that was the only difficulty was understanding my identity in that moment. And once I figured it out, I was able to transition. That is beautiful. That's awesome, making. Okay. All right. So you recently joined Saposnik Insurance, a world company, as head of business development. 
what is it about your about this particular career opportunity that appeals to you most? I tell people the number one thing that I am I am true to my core is I'm a servant. I'm a servant. Uh, being a captain of, of teams, being a leader, it's about being a servant. And the one thing that attracted me to this industry is that you are serving, you are helping, you are, uh, you are the advocate for your clients. And once I realized that this is what this industry um, was about or is about, I, I jumped, you know, I jumped right in. And what, that's the number one thing that attracts me to this industry is that, you know, there's a moment where it could be 2 a.m., it could be 2 p.m., and I could have a client call me and they have an issue and, you know, I, I'm able to use my resources to, to help them uh, solve the issue and adding value to their business and helping them also find, get one step closer to reaching their goal. You know, being in uh, with Supposica World Insurance Company, um, we have all the resources and all the product lines. Um, and what that does for me is be able to really tap into my teammates. I don't even like to call on my, my colleagues. I like to call on my teammates. And they can help me uh, provide this service to my clients. You know, our focus, or my focus is the, empo the employee benefit space. And being that as a former athlete, uh, you know, we're able to find tools and creatively uh, help our employees bring in talent and retain talent. And what this does also, again, once again, helps our client reach their goal, helps them maximize, make sure that they're maximizing every dollar and every opportunity that's within their, their reach to reach their goals. And so it's just one other segment to um, us uh, adding value uh, to, our, to our friends. You know, some of our clients become friends. You know, some of our clients become family. Uh, some of our clients, while they may be clients, but we generally do care and want them to be successful. Wow, and I'm gonna bring this conversation full because this is so powerful because you know your wisdom by the second part about divorcing yourself from the outcome was to me when you mentioned that as you know the key kind of takeaway from this I, I really thought about that and I, I, I went a couple of levels down having thought about that that you know you have to detach from the outcome when you're attached to the outcome and the kind of fruits of your labor that's when things start potentially starts to go awry. And you mentioned ego and which leads to anger, potentially an aversion and, and, all, and all the good stuff that those emotions go with it. And what you're saying, and I actually had a, a talk with, a, with some business development folks years ago in the accounting world, which said that when you're not attached to the outcome and you truly serve the customer, all right, the customer knows that. The customer on the other end of the table knows when a person is just trying to cut a deal, mm -hmm. whether it's said or not said or whatever, right? And what you said just now, Akin, is so powerful because if you serve the customer and you really do it for the, for the greater good of the customer rather than fulfilling, you know, the attachment to the result, which is a deal and potentially, you know, the compensation that goes with it, because that's, you see that all the time in the business development world. Mm -hmm. have a sixth sense for that yeah 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 and, and let me give you um let me try to paint an analogy uh for you generally if you're trying to, when you're trying to lose weight um you have a goal you set let's say i'm trying to lose 20 pounds um i'm at this mark and i want to lose 10 20 pounds what most people do is they end up every day jumping on the scale. And they could work out an hour, two hours, and maybe only lose half a pound or maybe gain weight. Um, you know, and, and, and a week goes by and they're not, they're not any closer to their goal. Or you know, a month goes by and while they feel that, okay, by now I should have lost five pounds or you know, seven pounds, I've only lost two pounds. And all of a sudden they get discouraged because they're thinking, wow, I have a long ways to go, or you know, I'm 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 not I'm not I'm never going to get where I want to go. Uh, and so all of a sudden they come they come discouraged and you know they start they start losing and forgetting about the process. 
and they start thinking about the outcome versus thinking about, okay, I just need to continue working out. I just need to continue eating well. I just need to continue making sure that I'm getting enough sleep. I just need to continue making sure that I'm, I'm sleeping well at night and giving myself enough, enough rest. And all these things is all the example of losing weight for me and why it's a, it's, it's a good analogy is because where I excelled in and where a lot of athletes excel in is the fact that they, they double down on their workouts. They double down on their rest time. They double down on uh, their nutrition and forget about the weight. And then all of a sudden, a month, two months, you know, six weeks or whatever that timeline is, they reach, they reach that mark that they set for themselves, you know, two months prior, three months prior, six months prior. And it's the same blueprint that we can apply when it comes to the business role. That if we, if we have a plan and we have a process uh, that, that, that backs that plan up and we have a, or let's say we have a vision and we have a process to reach that vision, now we focus on just grinding that vision out, on working through that vision. And you're allowed to tweak it along the way. You know, you're, you're allowed to adjust. You're allowed to pull people off, pull people on. You know, you're allowed to come up with new metrics, uh, new KPIs. But at the end of the day, you stay on the path towards the vision and forget the outcome. Because sometimes you actually reach the outcome a lot, a lot sooner. And most times it may take you a, a little longer but you're still going to get there as a matter of giving yourself enough grace and time to do the work. Wow. Wow. If I may say this, I got a limb um, aching, uh, you know, so Bosnick is very fortunate to have you on board with that business development approach and mindset. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. All right. To the lighter side of things, uh, next part of the session here, what would you change Aiken? In, era, in any area of life, not just business, what would you change? Um, I, only thing I, I, can, I can say that, that we as a society need to be more aware of is information. In this day and age, in this day and age that, you know, um, uh, we're collecting data at such a rapid rate and uh, information is readily available. But, you know, I, and I hate to be the Debbie Downer at this moment, but I, I almost feel that we're getting dumber. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I feel that we are not utilizing uh, the technology and the advancement of information that is helping to accelerate our knowledge and um, um, our, our us as a society, as, as a group, to really shorten the gap and continue to be innovative you know, along the way. And I think that's what we're lacking is absorbing the proper and right information. Um, how do we solve that? I don't have the answer to that, but I, I, that's probably one thing that I wish we, we as a society, um, and, and even in the business world, that we would be more aware and able to absorb uh, better information. That's a great point, Aiken. So it, it's, it, it's an excellent point. Is it a technology issue, Aiken, do you think, or is it just our level of consciousness? We're constantly stimulated. There's no gaps in anything, right? We're constantly on the treadmill, whether it's you know social media, phone, whatever, texting, whatever, right? Do we give ourselves a gap? And is that the societal issue? Is that we're not disciplined enough to give ourselves the gap? <laughs> To enable technology uh, to help was us. That, was that last one? Was the last to enable comment? Enable technology to help us. It's there. Yeah. Is it our use of technology that's the issue? Yeah, that's a good one. I, I would probably say, I, off the top, yeah, I think it's our use. And, you know, we're not monolithic in, in, in our habits, you know, but at the same time, um, we have to be able to understand you know, what's the proper information that we need that helps us to achieve our goal and whatever that goal looks like. Unfortunately, I feel that people, we have a, a natural inkling to go to the, to the easiest resource. Yeah. You know, 
And what that does is now gives us, uh, you know, lack of a better word, terrible knowledge or terrible insights that takes us into, you know, a dark hole or, 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 or into the wrong understanding of an issue or, or, or information that will help us be successful. And it's probably what the brain does, what it is naturally, it would take the easiest route if you allow it. Right. It will, it, will, it will let you make the easiest decision if you allow it. And until we can challenge ourselves to go in and, and, and figure out, you know, make better decisions when it comes to where, what resources am I using? Where is the information coming from? Is it factual? What's the, you know, the, the study behind it, the methodology behind it? You know, all these things do matter at the end of the day. And that way you're able to make a more informed decision. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. What are you grateful for in any area of life, not just business? I am grateful for the fact that I get to wake up every single day to this moment and have an opportunity to pursue my dreams, to become a better man, to become a better husband, to become a better father, to become a better teammate. I, and this is where my faith comes in. Uh, I know this is not a, a, a faith podcast, but this is where my, for me, my faith comes in because I felt that if, if God allows me to wake up any day, he allows me to wake up on this side of heaven um, is an opportunity for me to become better. It's an opportunity, opportunity for me to give more of myself. And that is what I'm most grateful for. I'm grateful for life in itself that I have, a chance to to learn, to grow, to speak to people like you, to learn from people like you, uh, to have a a partner and a mate as I do that, uh, you know, I can cherish moments together and make new memories and to have a wonderful child uh, that I'm looking forward to growing with. So as long as I'm I'm breathing and I get to be on this side of earth, I'm going to give the world everything that I can. The world needs more of your gratitude an attitude. I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. How beautiful they can pause for a couple of seconds. That was just beautiful. All right. The quick round. Okay. Um, who is the greatest sports coach according to Aiken? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. You can't name just one. Um, and I know, I know the criteria has to be a, a championship, uh, a Super Bowl, a ring, a trophy, but I've had plenty of coaches who may not have may not get the recognition, but have been impactful in people's lives. Um, and so, but I will say, for my athletic career, uh, professional career, I you know I can name coaches that have impacted me directly. Bill Parcells uh, was a man that I learned from. I I respect, um, you know, and, and has impacted a lot of other players' lives. Uh, Jack Del Rio was, was another one that I enjoyed playing for. And he actually, he was the one that helped me to become the linebacker and the professional athlete um, that, I, the, that I could become. And so I enjoyed my time with Jack. Uh, let's see where else did I play? Uh, Tony Sperano, um, who's now deceased, but uh, I, know, I knew Tony from the age of 21 till when I got traded to the Dolphins and the opportunities that he gave me, our conversations. And we had some real, some deep conversations about life, about family, and about you know, building a team and, and what that looks like. And so I appreciate the conversations and I appreciate the impact that he had in my life. And yeah, I mean, it, it's not just one. I understand, I understand. Okay, we're gonna continue to have some fun. You can only name one now. Okay. Who is the greatest- Greatest sports athlete of your generation and why? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I can only speak to people I've watched physically, I mean, with my own eyes, and, and DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus oh, wow. Ware, 6'4", 265 pounds, was as strong as the strongest man on the field, was as fast as the smallest, fastest, you know, defensive back, receiver, running back on the field, and was as quick as the quickest man athlete you had on the field. 
By wow. far. Wow. Yeah. That <laughs> is, wow. That's conclusive. That's yeah. awesome. Okay. All right. I, I get, that's enough said, I guess, Aiken, right? <laughs> Can't beat that. You know, okay. you know when you know. You know when you know. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Greatest business person ever and why? Greatest business person ever and why? Ooh. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> you know, he started Amazon with just being a, it looked like a book club, uh, a library, and turned into this gangetic company that's a billion, billions of dollars. And just now he himself just took a flight plane to, a flight to a, a ship to space and back. And um, we're all connected through his technology, his innovation. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. You can answer this to the extent you're comfortable. Is the NFL doing enough about social justice? No. Um, unfortunately, no. And I think what they're doing right now is just crossing, uh, just dotting the I's, but not necessarily crossing out the T's and making sure that everybody is engaged. Um, uh, are they using their platform? To the benefit of their pockets, yes, uh, I, I would say that. Is it something that's trendy? Yes, but what are they doing on the grassroots level? I don't, you know, I don't think they do enough in in discussing that. And what are they doing legislatively? Uh, and I think until they get to the point of they're helping bridge these gaps that these athletes, uh, because every athlete, black, white, whatever, that plays in the league. Uh, as, as had some, some encounter, uh, as had a conversation, and until they can help these men make the connections with politicians, with police officers, with their community leaders uh, directly and see legislation that is passed that, that, that directs, that is directly involved in changing the course over the next 10 to 20 years, we're gonna be right back at this conversation the next five, 10 years. Understood, okay, all right. So you've had a couple of achievements to your credit, the Drew Brees Mental Toughness Award mm -hmm. and the United Nations Friends of Good Health Award. Tell us in 30 seconds or so, just tell us a little bit about those two. Yeah, I happened to play with Drew Brees and we were both in the league at the time and um, it was just, my, my teammates always consider me mentally tough and always available. And so Drew, uh, who he had started presenting the award, uh, you know, said, Aiken, you deserve this. This is who you are. Uh, I had the opportunity to travel overseas to Guatemala, Haiti, um, and do some humanitarian service there. And a friend of mine um, who also works with the United Nations uh, was able to recognize our service uh, in our time and some of the connections that we made as far as connecting uh, doctors and dentists to Haiti and our speaking engagements with young youth and trying to in, in Guatemala and trying to get them active and playing soccer and football and just into football. So recognize me uh, for those efforts. I'm awesome. Awesome. What a whole person, Nathan. Thank you. All right. The Dream Builders Foundation. What is it and how can people get involved? Yeah, so Dream Builders uh, really has become, has, it's growing and it's a way for us to get current professional playing athletes involved in the communities that they play for or their communities back at home. And it connects them with local charities and local corporations and partners to help sponsor and create programs um, in, three, in three initiatives, education, extracurricular activities and nutrition. And these professional players are the athletes. Over the last 10 years, uh, we've grown and we've been, we're in 32 different cities. We've raised and donated and given back over $4 million and counting. And um, you know, for us, it's our way. And for, for me and for my team, it's our way to continue to give back and create a legacy. Um, you know, you can go to our website, dreambuilders.com, dreambuildersfoundation.com, and see where the service is and how you want to get involved. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. Okay. You mentioned three or four coaches that meant a lot to you. Um, and we're going to get down to the single best advice you ever received. <laughs> single best advice. It's a Bill Parcells advice. Yeah. And it goes like this. Do not be afraid of confrontation. Wow. Okay. Dive in into confrontation. But be open up, be open enough to circle back and find a common ground. And what he meant by that is uh, for his part of his tactic or his philosophy is he doesn't mind getting in your face. He doesn't mind chewing you out, yelling at you. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's also open to give you a hug and also open to help you become better. And understanding why that is, is because, uh, you know, everybody needs a motivation. Everybody needs a drive. Anybody needs a champion. And there's sometimes, you know, we want to take the shortcut. We want to take, you know, the, uh, uh, the easy road or the easy way out. And you need people who will call you out and you need people who will show you the right way. But at the same time, you have to be um, um, open enough and trusting enough that, you know, you're willing to give them a hug and hold their hand and walk and work with them through whatever the situation is. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Okay. Last two questions. What advice would you give to a smart and ambitious college graduate about the real world? Um, similar to my track, uh, be adaptable, uh, be adaptable, uh, be open uh, to change, allow yourself to grow. Um, and challenge yourself, be uncomfortable. Uh, you know, those are the things that have helped me. I, was, I wasn't always sure, uh, but, you know, I, maybe I was just dumb and I jumped in head first in a lot of situations and I failed, but at the same time I learned and then I was able to adapt and evolve myself. And this is just real quick. And this is why, this is what actually prolonged my career more than the 2.8 years that an average NFL player. I went from being a, I got drafted in college. I played defensive end and linebacker. I got drafted as a linebacker. I played my first three years. I started as a linebacker and then I would play defensive end on third downs. I changed coaches, changed teams. I went from being always playing in a four, three defense to having to play in a three, four defense. Those who know football knows it's a completely different skill set, completely different way of playing football, playing your, your position. And then going from 3-4, having to play the weak side inside backer, and then transitioning to play from the inside weak side backer to playing the mic backer, you know, my last two or three years. And because I was always open to adapt and grow and learn, uh, it, it prolonged my career. I was able to make money. I was able to be successful. I was able to, you know, have, have create really great relationships and add all these new tools to myself. So that's why it's important to be adaptable. Wow, awesome. Final question and we'll wrap it round to your key wisdom bite and your final exclamation point on fall in love with the process, divorce yourself from the outcome. What would be your final advice? My final advice would be for all of us to continue to pursue, write down your goals. You're, you're going to adjust. You know, things are not going to work out exactly as you plan, but make sure that you are reaching for something. Uh, it's all about vision. And it starts with the mind. If you can think it, you can create it, you can get there. But if you can't think of it, and if you can't create that vision for yourself, um, then you don't have a pathway to any success. And so why it's important to fall in love with the process and divorce yourself of the outcome because you keep the vision ahead of you and you find ways to tool your body, to tool your mind, to tool your skills. And each year, each, each month, each week, each day, you're perfecting that tool and you focus on that. And sooner and before you know it, you're going to be right where you wanted to be prior um, to you making a decision. Fantastic. Akin, you're a man of grace. You're an extraordinary man. You're a whole man. I can tell that, you know, um, if there was a place for someone who prioritized and elevated humanity, I would say you are one of them. 
And this has been a, just a beautiful session. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your honesty, your transparency, um, you know, your compassion. It has been tremendous. Uh, and above all, for your grace. And um, you're a dear friend. Uh, as I said, we've, we've only known each other for about a month or so, and I consider you a dear friend. And um, I love you very much, Aiken. This has been superb. Thank you. Our listeners will find, I'm sure, many, many wisdom bites out of this session. I appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. Yes, I, same, same sentiments all the way. Thank you very much, Akin. All the very best to you, okay? And my love to your family. Yes, sir. Bye-bye, Akin. I hope that you found today's session valuable. If so, please follow me on Instagram at outram.richard and post your comments. Thank you again. Until the next podcast.